Thank you. We did not promise professionalism no, when we started we this podcast. We were promised, was... we promised jetpacks. We... <laughs> it's Friday, January the 10th. 2020, Happy New Year, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Derrick, Dutch News Contributing Editor and Twitter Jailbird, and with me today is my fellow Dutch News Contributing Editor and Royal Watcher Watcher, Molly Quell. Our other regular co-host, Paul Peters, is stepping back as a senior member of the podcast team so he can spend more time in Belgium. <laughs> Poor Paul. He's not here to defend himself he and say no, these no. terrible things about no. him. No. That's not true. It's just a reference to uh, other people who are stepping back from their roles. That's true. Yeah. I, I mean, if you were going to pick a time, if you were going to step back from your role as anything and pick yeah. a time to spend more time, pick a place to spend more time in, would it be Belgium? It would be Belgium. Would it would be Belgium, Wisconsin. Belgium, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's that, a good. That, that I mean, go to be that. honest, the Royals have a good choice. Like Vancouver yeah. is really nice. I mean, I get yeah, why true. they like are trying to spend more time there. Yeah. I um yeah, I've been very irritated with all of this like royal family stuff because I, I know I've as, a, as a yes. non-British person, like you just I don't understand it, and it's very confusing. Yeah, and I find I've it really been aware that it's, that it's been somewhat on your mind. Yeah, yeah. It's really we've been annoying. tweeting about it it's non-stop really for about twenty-four hours. It's so dumb. Well, which bit of it's the dumbest? All of it is okay. The existence of a royal family is dumb. Okay. The fact that the British media is like incredibly trash tabloid press is dumb <laughs> the fact that they were really mean to Meghan markle is dumb and the fact that like no now people are like pissy at them for trying to like take a step back from this role that has been clearly very detrimental to the both of them yeah and then people are mad about it it's dumb and then i'm also mad at our union for like saying something that i still think is dumb so it's just <laughs> so like the whole a lot. thing is just a great everything is like fire. very dumb i just don't understand yeah. like you don't i just it just seems absurd to me that if you're born into a royal family we all just expect a society that you just have to like keep on keeping on here as though like not everybody else doesn't like get to quit like you don't have to like join the oil business if your father is an oil man i mean like your parents might be pissed off at you but all of society doesn't show up with pitchforks and torches and be like no this is your responsibility yeah. but i think the weird thing about this, especially about the british royal family is that even if you're someone like prince harry there's almost no prospect whatsoever of actually becoming king at any point yeah you still have to have this kind of peripheral role where you kind of hang around and you do protocols and there's no real point to any no. of it especially i mean at least you know the, the dutch royal family going out and sort of have you know, Willem Sanders went out and had a something resembling a job before yeah. he became king. Well, and his <laughs> the, the all of the princes like sort of yeah. went off and kind of like did their own yeah. like things. I mean, like they they have sort of normal lives. The thing that's like extra kind of strange about this that I find extra it's not strange it's fucking dumb is that this other prince who had to like step back from royal duties because he was an actual pedophile like people were not <laughs> nearly as mad about this well the royal family weren't nearly as mad about that no a weird thing. but they, there they was no all, i mean i well, they just said that very british thing of just keeping quiet about it and pretending it wasn't happening yeah but they didn't keep you know. quiet about this they sent out no. a passive aggressive press release Absolutely, saying like yeah. oh discussions are ongoing or whatever like check yourself with your pedophiles before you start yelling at harry for wanting to take a step back from royal duties yeah Actually, what I said on Twitter is, no, they can't have any tea and crumpets. <laughs> and then British people got mad at me for making... For, for, for dying for making, tea and crumpets. For, for making stereotypes. For making stereotypes about British people. <laughs> but tea and crumpets are both good things. One of the few good things left in the UK. Well, I'm sorry you can't <laughs> have any until your media apologizes for being so goddamn racist. That's Those are your choices. No, you've gone too far now. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, but really, who has gone too far is Twitter, because they put you in Twitter jail, yeah. Gordon. What did you do to get in Twitter jail? It's my first experience with Twitter jail. It was very bizarre. It's I, very I, exciting, I it, isn't it? For you, it is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what happened? Um, because Twitter was delightful and pleasant for the 20 minutes you were in Twitter jail. Yeah, well, no, 10 minutes. Ten so eight, minutes. I think eight minutes in total. Somebody put up a tweet about um, they'd been um, on a dating site, and uh, they'd had to... Uh, it was a woman who'd been chatting with a guy, and one of the things he said, the thing that um, made her give up on him was he said something about spaghetti was overrated. So and That's a reasonable uh, reason to give up on somebody. Yeah, I think so. My reply to this was, you should have strung him along for a bit. <laughs> for which I got put in Twitter jail. You deserve to be in Twitter jail for that terrible joke. I can only assume that somebody saw strung along and thought it was strung up or something, because it, the message I got from Twitter was that it, it broke their rules on inciting hatred and violence. <laughs> Against spaghetti. <laughs> against spaghetti, or maybe against spaghetti lovers. I don't know. I'm pasta caring, frankly. Is, oh, for God's sake. <laughs> but I appealed, and they, they put me back in, in eight minutes flat. So yeah. Yeah, you've got to give Twitter a little bit of credit there. I got stuck in Twitter jail once for telling... This was years ago, for telling somebody I was going to kill them. But like in right. a, but it was That is res- more reasonable. Right, totally reasonable. It was in response to somebody making like a really... A string of like really bad dad jokes. And so I was like, right. oh my God, I will kill you or whatever. And then somebody reported it, and I got put in Twitter jail for 24 hours. And actually, I was like, this is kind of delightful. Did like, you actually take your tweet down, or did you try and protest it? No, I tried to protest it. Right. I lost in you the lost. end, but it's fine. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I protested and I won. I fought, the, I fought the Twitter law, and I won. So I'm counting that as my first win of 2020. <laughs> no, the first win of 2020, Gordon, was the sex plane It situation. was, yeah. Well, I think you need to narrate this week's op-hef, because we've got off to a flying start, literally. Um, <laughs> I'm just... I was just reading this, like, <laughs> crying, laughing on, what was it, Monday or Tuesday? Yeah. And then I realized, I hadn't realized this, but this is the same woman who was, like, that had the sex with seven people in the jacuzzi thing. And then right. when I realized that, it was, like, even okay. funnier. I think without further ado, we need to say, Molly, what is this week's Op-Hef of the Week? So the Op-Hef of the Week is about Dutch celebrity actress, singer, and TV presenter Katja Schoorman. Uh, for weeks, rumors have been circulating about her misbehaving on a KLM plane from Cape Town to Amsterdam. Tabloid magazine story wrote that she and an undisclosed famous businessman mm. were very loud for the duration of the flight, much to the annoyance of the other passengers and crew. Schorman responded to the allegations on Instagram earlier this week, categorically denying the story and calling the tabloid magazine trash. Story, in turn, responded in their latest issue with a detailed minute-to-minute account of the flight. This, it's just <laughs> so... Oh, it's so good. I mean, I haven't actually read this, but did they literally have a timeline? Yeah, they of, have a timeline. Right, yeah. brilliant. Okay. Um, citing numerous other passengers passengers and crew members as their sources. New details included that she demanded a seat in business class and that during the night she supposedly had sex with a businessman in their seat. According to story sources, this was seat number 6K. <laughs> important detail. Very important yeah. detail. The magazine also wrote that crew members had to confiscate a bottle of Amarula. What is Amarula, Molly? It is a South African cream liqueur. Right. Yeah. Um, and that at some point her behavior was so unacceptable that they were very close to giving her a notice of violation, mm. meaning that she could be arrested by the crew. Well, they've had to land the plane that was like somewhere in the middle of, uh, I don't know, um, uh, well, Tunisia or something. Yeah, I was going to say, because if you're <laughs> flying from here to yeah. Cape Town, you're basically <laughs> flying over the entire length of Africa. So yeah. it would be very entertaining to think that like <laughs> she was going to get arrested in Kenya for, yeah. yeah. 
Uh, story added that KLM supposedly punished Schurman for her behavior by banning her from online check-in for the coming three years, uh, which was confirmed by her manager. Again, she's decided, denied everything on Instagram and in interviews, but she wasn't able to explain why KLM has given her the ban. Yeah, she, she denied that she'd been banned from checking in onli- online, didn't she? So, yeah, but then but, they, but they, they... They said that she'd have to go and uh, report oh at the desk to, 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 to prove or to satisfy the, um, the airline that she wasn't drunk. That, that, that would the be the given. being yeah. banned from online check-in is like should be a violation of the Geneva Conventions. It I should. Think. Actually, it's, that's awful. It's yeah. so imagine awful. having to go and check in at a desk again. Yeah, that's not unthinkable. But yeah, and uh, so also according to various sources, people know who the businessman is, but they are ah. not revealing the details. Which, if anyone knows, <laughs> please email yes. to podcast at dutchnews.nl. Yeah, yeah, um, you, you, because you... I am desperate to find out who the <laughs> businessman in question was. Yeah, you, your email will be treated in strictest confidence. Strictest and, uh, confidence. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and shared with the with everybody yeah exactly yeah. anonymously yeah well we, uh, yeah we won't we won't name our source but no, we're definitely we'll telling definitely everybody the business who the businessman yes, is absolutely. for sure yeah anyway yeah so th- that's a really good start to this year's up it was a so great start to this year's up yeah no, i mean I this I could can't, be the up this could the already year. be the, this is already a very strong contender i don't know how you top yeah. this yeah. if this has happened at the end of last year i think it would have been the up half of the year for sure yeah so yeah good luck to everyone else trying to beat that yeah. So we're uh, normally we would be doing the all puff of the year because we had we're a vote. To, yes. I of course rigged the election because yes. that's that's how it works. Yeah. Um, but Paul is not here today. So because he's in Belgium. Here. Yes. Or something. Also somewhere else, or Canada maybe. We're so not quite sure. We've decided to uh, to wait until next week when Paul is back to award officially the the all puff Indeed. of the year. Yeah. yeah. Dutch military training operations in Iraq have been called off after the Iraqi parliament voted to expel foreign military personnel in the wake of a U.S. drone strike that killed Iran's top general. The Netherlands Ministry of Defense initially reported that its training mission would continue, despite the non-binding resolution, but the Combined Joint Task Force, that's the U.S.-led international coalition against the Islamic State, announced it was ceasing training activities to focus on protecting American facilities in Iraq. So it turns out the Dutch military have a presence in Iraq. Yes, a whopping 60 of them. Mm. Uh, They've had a small presence in the country since the start of the Iraq war in 2003. Um, Generally, they've been assisting with operational support and training. The current Dutch contingent in Iraq consists of 50 soldiers stationed in the northern region of Kurdistan and 10 in Baghdad. Uh, Dutch civilians in the country were told by the foreign ministry to leave Iraq over the weekend. Yeah, And of course, um, we have the ongoing uh, saga of the Dutch military strike on uh, Hawija in Iraq. Yes, so that's also a thing we've... Discussed yeah. this on a previous, this previous podcast, podcast yeah. Yes. Um, so it's, it's quite sensitive, isn't it? The Dutch presence in Iraq, it's fair, it's fair to say. Yeah, and possibly that's why they 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 have quite a low-key presence yeah. at the moment. I, yeah, yeah, I definitely think that's yeah. part of the reason they have a low-key. Yeah. Um, Dutch Foreign Minister Steph Block tweeted a statement from his ministry condemning the attacks uh, that Iran made. They made a series of missile attacks in retaliation against Iraqi bases where U.S. forces are stationed. That uh, statement has garnered a lot of criticism because he did not condemn the U.S. strike uh in turn, and so people are yeah. saying this is a bit of hypocrisy. Yeah, did he describe uh, either the US or Iraq as a failed state? Mm, no, he managed to make it through oh. an entire statement without yeah. saying anything like just incredibly racist. So good job <laughs> to you, Steph Block. Yeah, he seems to be improving. Yeah. Yeah. 
Deputy Prime Minister Hugo de Jonge has called for limits to be imposed on migration to keep future population growth sustainable. Oh my goddamn god. Yeah. The statistics agency CBS revealed at the start of the year that European migrants were responsible for the bulk of the increase in the population in 2019. Uh, there are now 17.4 million people living in the Netherlands. That's up by 132,000 on 2018. Which is all Brexit refugees, I think, right? Yeah, I think increasingly it will be, yes. Yeah. Uh, de Jong has said that 80,000 migrants a year was too many if you add it up over time and said, quote, if we want to continue in this way, we have to set limits. Do you think if the increase had been because of 80,000 extra births that he would have said the same thing? Mm, well, that means people should start being sterilized. Mm, I mean, yeah. Who knows? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Prime Minister Mark Rutte also voiced his concern about immigration over the Christmas break. He predicted it would be one of the key issues for Europe in 2020 and free movement between EU member countries was coming under pressure. Oh, God. Yeah. Richard said that countries on the edge of Europe were failing to differentiate between refugees and economic migrants, and if they don't tighten it up, quote, the Schengen Agreement has had it. This is really depressing. Yeah. So, um, when's the next election, Gordon? Yeah, well, it's next year, coincidentally. Okay, funny how that works. Yeah, so maybe that's a clue as to why these politicians are suddenly racing to uh, make increasingly, uh, competing to make ridiculous statements about immigration. Yeah. About 14 months from now, and this has all the poor prints of some preemptive dog whistling, frankly, uh, Rutter looks increasingly as if he'll stand for a fourth term as leader of the right-wing Fefe Day. That seems crazy. Yeah, but there's... Who else is there? I don't know. Uh, de Jong is one of the two leading frontrunners for the Christian Democrat leadership contest, which will take place sometime this year. And the poll suggests that these two centre-right parties uh, are both vying to finish on top of the pile next March and lead the next coalition government. And it obviously hasn't escaped their attention either that the nationalist right-wing parties, the PFFA and Forum for Democratie, are both doing well in the polls at the moment, uh, about 20% vote share between them. Uh, but voters have a tendency to flake away from those parties when elections actually come round, so the Fefe Day and the CDR are positioning themselves to catch the windfall. Everything about this is dumb. Mm, yeah. It's just extremely dumb. Is it as dumb as the reaction to Harry and Meghan stepping back? It's difficult. It's less dumb, it's but less more impactful. There is something slightly more rational about yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it, so, it has um, more of an impact. So we're just signed up for garbage statements on immigration for the next uh, 14 months or I so? I think continued uh, 15 months of, uh, yeah, rolling uh, yeah, r- rolling statements about restricting immigration we expect to see. You know what's crazy? Nobody ever uh, tells me, and I suspect you, um, that you shouldn't have immigrated here or that somehow you are contributing to the problem. No. I wonder... What could that be? Why? Yeah, what could be the factor? Yeah, I'm not even an EU migrant. I'm from outside the EU. Like, yeah. even worse. But it, it is generally strange that, yeah, uh, Rutte and um, Dionga have kind of stoked this at a time when, firstly, there isn't a big influx of refugees at the moment, although yeah. possibly now that Iraq is on fire, that might change, but at the moment there isn't. And also, you know, if you speak to anyone in kind of like in, in, in the major employment sector, like construction, they say they're, they're crying out for, for workers. Yeah, there's a major there's a shortage, shortage of, of workers. Yeah, yeah short, it's true. There's more work than, than, than people are around to do it. Yeah, and there's the been way. a lot of discussion about housing being really a problem. In fact, we had an article today saying that the housing crisis is a yeah. crisis or something. Yeah, the, the housing very... situation has become a crisis. Yeah. But... But that has nothing to do with, I mean, yeah, I guess in theory, right, if there's more people, you need more housing. But the yeah. fact that they're not building more housing is the reason that there's not more housing. Exactly, and that has yeah. a lot to do with, like, other problems. No, I mean, yeah. The, like, the fact that Holland is a tiny, tiny country. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, and every Dutch person wants a house with a garden. 
Yeah, but, 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 but having more refugees coming in or even more low-skilled economic migrants is not putting the pressure on house prices no. or the average house price. No, my house was not more expensive because there was a bunch of people who came here from Syria the year before. No, exactly. They're not, they're not competing with me to buy my house. No, because to start with, most of them can't even get a house no. because they haven't got the, the, the living in refugee centers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So... So, but yes, yeah, so I think we can see that the the, the election campaign has, has started early this time around. And, uh, we can probably First, we have some to more, suffer through a U.S. election campaign, and then six months later, we're going to have to do the one here. Hmm. Maybe I'm going to... Maybe can, I wonder if I can get sent to Twitter jail until after. <laughs> Dutch, I think you should, for your, own, for your own protection. At least eight letter bombs have been sent to different companies throughout the country, including estate agents in Utrecht, petrol stations in Amsterdam and Rotterdam, and a Mercedes dealership also in Rotterdam. On top of that, several other companies have received threatening letters, which the police say are related to the letter bombs. Fortunately, none so far have detonated, so there have been no injuries. Okay, and the police got any sus- suspects in the frame? Not a clue. No. Uh, they are not even sure what the connection is between all of the companies. A number of the letters have had a sticker from CIB. Um, that's a Rotterdam-based bailiff company. Mm-hmm. Um, the police have cleared that company of suspicion. Um, if you receive a thick letter, especially one with a CIB sticker, you should call a name Twe. Uh, CIB apparently does not use stickers and said they print their logo on their envelopes so the stickers have been like apparently especially suspicious right Um, also this week a number of Belgian politicians received letters with white powder there's no indication that these things are related just to be clear those letters are being processed as potentially containing anthrax right um, I listened to a very interesting discussion on NPO Ain uh, about talking with experts about how you track all these envelopes, which mm-hmm. is kind of like weedsy and nerdy, but was like kind of interesting. And we'll link to it on the liner notes if you want to listen to that. They have like a lot of interesting, like yeah. investigative strategies for trying to figure out who sends letter I bombs. I actually traced letters which have uh, been sent in the post, which is harder than it than you think it might be. Uh, to be honest, yeah. I mean, maybe we should be giving Post and some credit because these letters have been delivered, unlike everyone's Christmas that's cards true. this year. Yes, that's true. Uh, yes, that, 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 that is one thing. Yeah. And they were delivered on time as well. Yeah. And they've, but they've all arrived since Christmas. They yeah. presume they were posted before Christmas. Yeah. yeah. I, I presume they were posted in September. I think so, yeah. The poor bomber has <laughs> just been very frustrated with personnel. This is only funny because nobody's actually been injured. 14 pieces of Meissen tableware are to be returned to the heirs of a German-Jewish banker who was forced to sell them to pay off debts imposed by the Nazis. The Restitution Committee, which investigates Nazi loot claims, advised the Culture Ministry to give the items back to the descendants of Herbert Gutmann. The 12 plates and two source boats are currently held in the Rijksmuseum in Amsterdam, the Zuiderzee Museum in Enkhuizen, and the Royal Palace of Hutlow. They are required legitimately by the Dutch state after the war, but art detective Arthur Brandt established in 2015 that they previously belonged to Herbert Gutmann, who was a former banker with Dresdner Bank in 1934. That was when Gutmann was forced to sell his art collection to pay off debts that the bank claimed from him after its board had been replaced by Nazi party members. He eventually fled to Britain, where he died in 1939. What's the, um, what's the significance of these pieces, Gordon? So they're part of a set of 435 items uh, that were a gift from the Dutch East India Company to Stutthold of Willem V in the 18th century uh, and they depict various towns and villages that were significant to the FOC uh, including the Hague, Delft, Hardewijk and Enkhuizen which is where the Zuiderzee Museum is. Uh, it's one of the earliest sets of uh, topographical porcelain that was produced in uh, Meissen in Germany uh, and Laura Brown who's a spokesman for her lower palace said the two source boats were especially important because they're in such good condition. Uh, now although Gutmann's heirs are now recognised as the rightful owners it's possible they will remain on display in the palace because as Brown said to Ade the family feel that uh, they should um, or some members of the family feel they should be kept in a museum because that's where they'll be safe yeah I think so. that that's 
yeah. a good outcome. So that, that would be a good compromise, yeah. I think. Yeah. So be really interesting always to look at the work of the restitution committee and how much detail they go into to make these decisions. It's really fascinating. It actually. is fascinating, and the whole backstory about you know the fact that they had to decide because a lot of this stuff sort of looks legitimate on the surface. You know, he sold the pieces at auction; they were bought at auction, so yeah. it's all done legitimately. But when you actually dig into the story a bit more, you discover that he sold them at auction because. You know, these unreasonable debts were imposed on yeah. him by Dresdner Bank, where he used to work, but then he was taken over by Nazi party right. members. And he was actually um, caricatured by the Nazis in their election campaign in the early 1930s. Oh, really? As kind of a grabbing Jewish banker. Yeah. And they were blaming him for the, you know, the whole aftermath of the Wall Street crash yeah. and the hyperinflation that followed from that. So, oh, wow. yeah, so there's always a gruesomely fascinating story behind yeah. all these cases. The other thing I always find really interesting about these cases is, is that, like, you know, now there's, like, so many descendants that how do you figure out, like, who they technically belong to and that's how do you get all well, these yeah. people together to, like, make a decision about stuff? I think that's always, like, really complicated. Yeah. The Dutch High Street is probably going to be a bit emptier in 2020. Clothing change Steps and Promise are set to close most of their stores this spring under a drastic reorganization plan by their Belgian parent company, FNG. While the Dutch arm of Hudson's Bay Department Store Group was declared bankrupt on December 31st, a month after filing for court protection from its creditors. The news means that all 15 branches of Canadians Hudson's Bay in the Netherlands will remain closed, including two which the courts had ruled earlier could be kept open. The company has booked a loss of 300 million euros in the Netherlands. Some of the properties are reportedly on a 20-year lease, and according to the Financiële Dagblad, the company may face 400 million in guarantee payments. Ouch. Yep. Yeah. The, the, the Hustles Bay um, moved into a, lot, uh, a few of the stores that were vacated by Fendi. Yes, that's they? correct. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it's a little unclear what's going to happen. Yeah, to but these, these are big city center stores, yeah. so presumably quite expensive leases. Yep. Yeah. All 14 Promise stores in the Netherlands will shut their doors along with 38 of the 48 Steps branches. All together, 108 full-time staff and 126 temporary workers were employed in these stores, most of whom will lose their jobs. About 50 uh, will be offered jobs in other FNG chains. Around 50 will be offered jobs in other FNG chains, such as Miss Etim and Claudia Strater. Yeah. I don't know what any of these things are. Have you never shopped in any of these stores, are you telling mm, me? I've been in the Hudson's Bay thing since it declared bankruptcy. Well, of course, because everybody did. Everyone yeah. suddenly went there to, to, to grab the bargains. Popular. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I bought a pencil case for my pens. Right. That's what I bought. Yeah, okay. that's, a, that's the it's only one of these stores pens. I've ever been in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've still never been in. I mean, I assume you I shop frequently at Promise or... Obviously, miss, obviously do miss all the time. It, yeah, yeah Promise. <laughs> yeah, just calling a shop Promise, I think, is, uh, is a bad... Is a bad portent. marketing strategy. Yeah, yeah. The Eredivisie may be on hiatus, but Ajax have kicked up a desert storm by spending the weekend break in Qatar. The tense situation in the Middle East and the use of migrant labour to build the stadiums for the 2022 World Cup have prompted criticism of the club's decision. Hundreds of workers have died on site, working in conditions of up to 45 degrees so that the stadiums can get finished on time. Ajax has also recently announced a partnership with Qatari club FC Sharjah, which is owned by Sultan bin Mohammed al Qasimi. Who's probably real problematic. Well, he's, he's, he's the emir of uh, Sharjah, so... Uh, yeah. Real problematic. It's, yeah, he's, he's, sure. he's, he's kind of like the... Uh, well, uh, but although at least his his youngest son hasn't decided to step back from his uh, his royal duties yet, so, you know... This is true. They're <clears> the, keeping a little closer eye on them over there yeah. in the Middle East. Ajax director Edwin van der Sar said the club was aware of the global situation, but it was not its business to make political statements. 
Journalists travelling with the tour party have been banned from asking non-football-related questions, and Sergino Dest, who plays for the US national team, has flown back to Amsterdam early because he felt uncomfortable in Qatar, which is kind of understandable. I didn't see uh, the the journalist union making a big statement about this, not no. being able to ask these questions. No, no, it's strange, strange that, yeah. yeah Although, to be fair, this is a different journalist union. This would be the Dutch journalist union. Sure, but... But, Fine, whatever. I'm painting, yeah. painting these journalist unions with a broad brush at the moment. <laughs> no, but a few journalists in, in, with the Dutch papers who are not out in Qatar have, uh, have kind of raised a, a few eyebrows about this whole about going on tour, claiming it's not political to go and, 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 and forming partnerships with, uh, with with very dubious rulers, uh, yeah, and, and then banning journalists from asking any questions about it. There's also been some racism. Yes, there's an ongoing... The ongoing racism throughout in Denbos, which, remember, was uh, back in November. Um, this is the one with the terrible press statement that they had to retract, right? The, all, there were, there was there's a series all terrible press terrible statements, press statements and terrible public statements. But, uh, yeah, in, in, in Denbos, just as a recap, um, uh, a, a game in the uh, in the East Division, the, the second division, was stopped for 10 minutes because uh, uh, Ahmad Menes Moreira, who was a striker with Excelsior, was being racially abused by... Uh, by, uh, by Dunbos fans uh, so the referee actually stopped the game unprecedented thing to happen um, and yeah there was then a series of uh, statements by Dunbos in which they uh, yeah, eventually after about three or four tries um, said something vaguely approximating the right thing but uh, uh, a spokesman for Evden Boss said that a number of fans were being banned but the bans were not explicitly for quote racism and discrimination oh, God. but they were just for general wrongdoing like throwing plastic cups in the direction of the pitch so the message seems to be monkey chants are okay as long as you hold on to your plastic cup. That's great. Dumbos also haven't said how many spectators were banned. The club has compiled an internal report on the whole uh, incident uh, and passed it on to Canfe Bay. If anybody gets a hold of that internal report, you can <laughs> send it to podcast at dutchnews.nl. Yeah. We won't reveal our source, but boy, are we going <laughs> to savage them for their inability to like take racism seriously. We'll be discussing the fallout from the New Year fireworks after this word from our sponsors. If you've got any money left over after blowing up your neighbourhood at New Year, why not support us on Patreon? Producing a weekly roundup of the latest Dutch news, sport and political developments costs time and money and will show our gratitude to you by giving you a shout out on the next show. You can also ask us a question on just about anything and we'll do our best to give an honest answer or failing that an entertaining one. I think they're mostly entertaining ones. Yeah, that's more important. Yeah. This week, we'd like to say thank you to Ian Dundas. Uh, he doesn't have a question for us, but we're very grateful, all the same, uh, for your support. If you'd like to be a patron of the podcast and make sure we don't run out of coffee, stop waffles, or dog food, you can go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl. Please do it for Truby. Yeah. Just for Truby. 2020 got off to a bang in the Netherlands. The New Year's always gets off to a bang in the I Netherlands, know, of course. The Dutch spent a record 77 million euros on fireworks to see in the new year, but the costs didn't stop there. Around 15 million euros of damage was caused by fireworks, according to insurers. Two people died, and around 1,300 people were treated for injuries inflicted during the festivities. New Year is also the busiest night of the year for the police and emergency services. Erik Akkerbom, the head of the National Police Force, has said it's the most dangerous night of the year for his force. Parts of The Hague were plagued by arson and vandalism throughout December after the traditional beach bonfires were banned. And in Arnhem, in the saddest uh, incident in the, of the New Year, a father and his four-year-old son died in a fire in a block of flats, which was started by two teenagers letting off fireworks in the lobby. This, that story is horrendous. It's yeah. Support is growing for a partial or total ban on commercial sales of fireworks, but there is also widespread resistance from people who see it as another attack on tradition. So why do fireworks spark such heated emotions and is a ban likely or realistic? So, Gordon, 
what are the numbers here? Well, as we said, there were 1,300 injuries related to fireworks on New Year's Eve. That includes 385 people who had to have emergency treatment in hospital. 168 people suffered eye injuries, uh, which is a 30% increase on last year. And uh, the Eye Surgeon Association said 13 people lost eyes. Yeah. New Pontanel, I think, have said this morning, this is Friday, that uh, the total number of incidents was 400 more than, than last, last year. year. Yeah, so it's a sizable increase. Most of the injuries were caused by illegal fireworks. A lot of talk about illegal fireworks, but actually the, the largest number of um, problems were with uh, legal fireworks, around uh, 80%. The estimated cost of damage is lower than last year, but that figure of 15 million only covers immediate claims for things like cars being burnt out. The real cost is in long-term health problems, absence of work, and reduced quality of life. The safety board of Hefez calculated that in the last nine years, 158 people lost eyes in fireworks incidents, and they projected the total lifetime cost at 134 million euros. Yikes. So that's nearly a million per victim, yeah. and that's mainly because they're mostly young people, children. Yeah. The average age of a person who lost an eye is 20. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. yeah, I think I read somewhere that nine or ten people went blind as a result of uh, of injuries this year. Yeah. So, it's totally nuts. Yeah. So, we hear every year, right, about a ban. So, how much support is there for one of these fireworks bans or partial bans? Yeah, it's always a discussion at the end, well, in the run-up to New Year and also always after New Year when the figures are published. And I think support is growing because the amount of damage is rising and events like the fire tornadoes on the beach that's happening last year and, of course, this terrible tragedy in a block of flats in Arnhem this yeah. year kind of crystallised people's sense that things have gone too far and really something needs to be done. They had a survey in December uh, in which more than half the population said they supported local bans by their municipality. That includes, interestingly, 54% of Pei voters. Uh, and, That's crazy. Yeah, which is given that the party is one of the strongest opponents of any kind of ban and also is just generally in favour of trying to retain traditions at all costs. Yeah, you know um, why I think that is? Because fireworks are really terrible for animals and the Pei has this weird pro-animal streak. That is streak. true. Yeah. yeah. 40% of people in general are in favour of reducing the time window when fireworks can legally be set off. I would like that too. Yeah, which currently starts at 6pm on New Year's Eve until 2am on January the 1st, although yeah, if you live in a major city, you start hearing fireworks before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess enforcing the existing ban would be useful Well, this well. is a big crux of debate, you know, whether we should introduce more measures or just enforce the ones that are in place now, yeah. which uh, you, you can tell are not really rigorously no. enforced, and yeah, whether they can be not. enforced, yeah. given the amount of fireworks that circulate. Yeah, I mean, it's hard, I think, to enforce these fireworks bans, right? Because like yeah. you, you don't know that this thing has happened and then by the time it's happened everybody is scattered it's very hard to like like what do you do catch somebody with a lighter like that's not no yeah. exactly unless you can actually keep people, catch people in the act what yeah. are they going to do people aren't going to report their neighbors for letting off fireworks yeah well even if you wanted to i yeah. mean like what am i supposed to do there's a bunch of guys in front of my like if you knew it was the neighbor yeah. like specifically if you know who the person is but most of the time you know it's like teenage boys from around the corner I'm like, exactly i don't yeah. know who these kids are yeah so what do the uh, what do the politicians say? Okay, so the, there was a proposal submitted uh, on January the first by Khun Links and the Partei for the Dieren to ban sales of fireworks to consumers altogether, and that's the first real proposal of that kind by a party in parliament. Uh, Hun Links obviously is concerned about the environmental impact of fireworks uh, the Pefe de Day. Obviously as, as a dog owner you'll know the impact on animals. So yeah it's tremendous. There's the animal rights party also yeah, obvious reasons for wanting to restrict fireworks uh, severely. But the parties have also said the measure was is designed to reduce the number of attacks on police and ambulance crews who go out to answer emergency calls. So we I saw, so we live in the Hachlande right, that's the yeah. like sort of police district that we live in and they said after new year's that 
10% of the calls that they get during the year happens in this period between yeah. like eight o'clock on New Year's Eve night and like four o'clock in the morning the next day, which is insane. Yeah. And the craziest thing is, yeah, first of all, it's a very busy night for the emergency yeah. services. You kind of expect that. But also the fact that when ambulances and police cars turn up at incidents, they start being attacked by people by, by throwing fireworks and yeah. fireworks at them. They attacked a funeral procession this year. Did you that see that? That happened as well. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. In Ada, I think it yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, the main parties have um, long opposed an outright ban for a number of reasons. First, of course, it's tradition. And so, yeah. You know, like slaver and beating your wife. So, yeah, th- th- that makes people very resistant to changing anything, even when people are losing eyes. That's an argument put forward particularly by the right-wing parties PFF and Forum for Democratie. They say that millions of innocent citizens having fun shouldn't uh, be deprived of uh, their entertainment just because of a few hooligans. There's also the argument that a ban just wouldn't be effective because it would... Uh, well, first of all, the police, there's no way of enforcing it. As you say, it's very hard to get to actually to catch yeah. people in the act. And it would just fuel the trade in illegal fireworks if you ban fireworks in the Netherlands that's one thing but how do you stop people bringing them across the border yeah. from Belgium or Germany yeah. and in fact I think um, was it Trouw went, uh, went and spoke to a Belgian fireworks uh, merchant uh, just before New Year who said that like 40% of the stuff he sells is illegal in the Netherlands and he just has people Driving coming across, across the border, border. Yeah, for, for weeks before uh, to, to stock up on stuff they, they're I don't not know, supposed you to have. put some checkpoints up along the border in Brabant, I bet. Get yeah. to find some people. Are you saying Grenze Dicht? Yeah, Grenze Dicht <laughs> for fireworks. I yeah. mean, the thing is with the, this this thing, like like many things, is, is that, you know, these are like pre premeditated crimes. Mm-hmm. So, like, people are thinking about doing this ahead of time. And yeah. you don't really have to, like, it, it's different than trying to prevent something like domestic violence or something like that where it's like very in the moment sort of things like Mm. those are much more difficult crimes to kind of prevent but this i mean like if you slapped a you know couple of cops along the border and you just handed out some really big fines for stuff and you know people start seeing that after a couple of years like people are going to stop like they don't want to be fined thousands of euros for bringing in illegal fireworks or for setting off illegal fireworks i think and it doesn't need need to be permanent if you just have a couple of temporary checkpoints once in a while you know just the same way you do speed traps to just turn up for a couple of hours and fine everyone who's gonna check all the cars right yeah i mean this is the same yeah exactly this is exactly the same way that you enforce speeding it's like these kinds of things it is possible there's not a cop on a speed camera on every corner yet most of the time people obey the speed limit i mean why is that because there is a chance that you will get caught and the fines are high and really irritating yeah there, there are signs of a shift in sentiment, though. Two of the parties in the coalition, Deisus and Zestok and Christian want to see restrictions on the sales of firecrackers and rockets. The CEU have also come out and said that, uh, with a suggestion, that only licensed clubs should be allowed to set off uh, mm-hmm. fireworks from now on. Uh, so there is um, yeah, increasing support for a ban, and there's now a narrow majority in Parliament in favour of limiting fireworks sales, uh, even if uh, not banning them outright. The two biggest parties in the coalition, the Fefe Day and CDR, remain opposed to a ban, but uh, the Fefe Day... Uh, have admitted there's a very big debate going on uh, among their membership, particularly with local uh, Fifa Day politicians, on what to do. And parliamentary group leader Klaus Dijkhoff has um, said in one of his uh, famous Facebook posts that he is not, quote, deaf and blind, which is perhaps unfortunate <sighs> choice of metaphor this, this <laughs> to the arguments for tighter restrictions and um so i'm seeing a lot of stuff at the local level right like rotterdam has said that they want to be the first city without fireworks yeah. like i think the city center of Leida banned fireworks or or some kinds of fireworks from going off this year which i guess they expected some pushback from and then didn't really get a whole lot of pushback it was a lot of people being like i'm here to set off my fireworks the cops were like can't do that anymore yeah. people were like 
Oh, okay. But yeah, at local level, we are seeing much more movement, I think, um, particularly in the big cities uh, because of the scale of the impact, particularly last year. Rotterdam Council said last week that it wanted to ban all commercial fireworks. And it looks as a majority on the council in favour of doing that, including the Fefe Day. Fefe Day is from behind the move, which is quite a seismic shift. Amsterdam, similarly, again, with the Fefe Day, with the support of the Fefe Day, has come out in favour of banning commercial sales. Uh, They're going to be debating that uh, in the council, I think, uh, next week. And Groenlinks and Labour are also signed up to that. Uh, The PFDR, the Labour Party, like the PFDR and CDR, have been opposed to a national ban. But that could be shifting, particularly because uh, the mayor of Arnhem, Ahmed Makush, he said on New Year's Eve last night, obviously he was was interviewed about the the fire and block of flats, said it was time for a nationwide ban. He said only a nationwide ban would be effective. Um, he and Ahmed Abu Talib, the mayor of Rotterdam, um, has also said that if you just ban it in cities, it's it, it, it's really unenforceable because yeah. people will just go to the next town to buy, the, buy, fire, the, fireworks, to buy the fireworks yeah. there. But also, that means the police can then concentrate on illegal fireworks. Part of the problem is you, know, you can hear fireworks being let off, but how do you know if it's a legal or an illegal firework? Because yeah. if all fireworks are illegal, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Yeah. The National Association of Eye Surgeons has also long been campaigning for a total ban, and the Safety Board wants to ban firecrackers and rockets. That's also the view of Johan Remkes, Mr. Stickstoff. Mr. Stickstoff. Mr. Stickstoff, yeah, all pops up everywhere these days. He's also the acting mayor of The Hague, of course, which is one of the biggest New Year flashpoints. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So, I mean, what is what are the chances that this is going to happen? Yeah, I think it is increasingly likely, certainly at local level, and perhaps this is going to begin at local level and gradually sort of move Work up. Work its way and, up. Yeah, and that will increase the pressure on national politicians uh, because what we've seen over the last few years is we've seen more and more restrictions coming in yeah. so the loudest types of firecrackers and bangers now being banned yeah. the window for letting off fireworks has been restricted if you attack uh, an ambulance worker or a police officer over New Year you get you, you, it's the, a much penal- higher fine. the penalty is yeah. tripled or, or the prosecution service will, will apply for a much higher penalty because because of it's because it's New Year but none of these measures has actually had any real effect the number of incidents and the severity of the incidents keeps going up yeah. so at some point people are going to have to I think swallow the fact that unless you have much more um, stringent measures you're not going to really tackle the problem Rotterdam now obviously and, and Amsterdam seem pretty uh, on the path towards uh, um, imposing local bans interestingly in Amsterdam this year or well, this year just gone by they, they, they cancelled the big sort of um, public display and yeah. said that people preferred to set up fireworks in their neighbourhoods so wouldn't be surprised to see that decision reversed yeah. for next year. In The Hague, the mayor wants to restrict sales, but Hoop uh, de Moss is the biggest party on the council, and uh, they yeah, were we'll kind of... We'll see how that happens. We'll see how that happens, but uh, given that Richard de Moss is one of the sort of most vocal supporters of the um, of, of, the, of the bonfire committee... That, Does that, anybody that look into the fact of whether or not he just, like, owns a fireworks company? Because I feel like... Who knows? Mm. Yeah, yeah. The mayor of Utrecht, Jan van Zanen, who is also a Fefe Day um, politician, he's urged his party to support a local ban. So in urban communities, there's a lot of support in rural areas perhaps less so and as we said the two main coalition parties are still formally against an outright ban and a lot of it is going to come down to yeah those two parties the Fefe Day in particular yeah. there seems to be you know, growing support within the party for a ban on fireworks yeah. and perhaps that will reach some kind of tipping point Klaus Dijkhoff as I said his instinct as a liberal is to ban as few things as possible so mm. free heroin and guns there uh, Klaus Dijkhoff yeah I think so yeah. he'd like that sure uh, he's from Brabant after all yeah that's true we get to the point where you've tried everything else 
it hasn't worked, yeah. the only way to go really is is, is to have uh, a almost I mean, partial I think, total ban. I think there also needs to be a discussion about like directing people to change the cultural norm of this. I mean, yeah. like it is not inherent in the human condition that we set off fireworks at New Year's. Like this sort of personal consumption or use of fireworks like does not exist in many other places. Like lots of other yeah. places in the country, right? Just the cities have like a big fireworks display, and that's what you go see on New Year's and that kinds of stuff. Yeah. So like there also should be some discussion about like trying to focus people on like having some kinds of other New Year's Eve traditions that can eventually take hold that would keep people like sort of out of just like standing around outside blowing stuff up. Yeah, and it's kind of bizarre that you have this tolerance of these kind of Wild West conditions that you yeah. have at New Year where, you know, everyone knows that people are out there doing all kinds of things, letting off illegal fireworks, yeah. doing things with fireworks you shouldn't do, firing fireworks at the police yeah. and the ambulance, which just seems inconsequential. And in what's the other 364 days of the year is, is, is such a kind of well-ordered, law-abiding society. Yeah. People seem it's to It's a bit of, like the purge right well it like is. it's fine the rest of the time you just yeah do it this it's one sort of time like of the, the end of the war or something you know you have this sort of window of where, where anything goes yeah. and they, even when it's uh, you know, completely destructive and, and they know it's coming you know they, they go around before new year shutting off shutting um, off the, the ba- letterboxes the boxes, and the, uh, yeah, yeah exactly and the recycling bins so everyone knows it's going to happen but nobody actually seems to think about maybe just deciding collectively that we shouldn't put up with this anymore yeah i mean i um, think i think some of it is hard too because it does seem to me like it's a lot of like teenage late teenage boys who i think are like slightly harder to control like a little bit this horrible incident in Arnhem was a 12 year old and a 13 year old but like I suspect that like you know encouraging some sort of family or like community type gathering will probably would may bring in the 12 year olds but like 15 17 18 year old 20 year olds like you're probably you know they're not they're, but even, yeah but even they're not, not completely lost you know they're out with their peer group and there can be a certain amount of you know peer control peer pressure yeah. I think that maybe the example to draw in here is is actually the uh, the bonfires in uh, Down and Schaefening now yeah. okay those events you got out of control and we couldn't have them last year but that was a thing that was set up or yeah. it was an organised event that was set up in response to the fact that there was people this kind burning of, cars people kept burning down cars <laughs> and setting Christmas trees on fire in the street yeah. they said well what we should do we should have an organised community event to, yeah. to to draw people away from that and yeah. that did work up to a point of course yeah. it then went too far in the sense that they didn't actually impose the um, the regulations properly but yeah. while it was properly regulated it worked so yeah. could you not do a similar thing with fireworks where you yeah. just have bigger organized communal events that everyone goes to rather yeah. than everyone setting off firecrackers on the street because i think yeah. when people talk about taking away the tradition what they mean is or what they think about is that they and their sort of little circle of five or six friends are all standing out in the street letting off fireworks yeah. and where's the harm in that well on the face of it nothing but if you try and drive an ambulance through a district at half past midnight you've got to get through sort of hundreds yeah. or thousands of people do all doing this at the same time yeah. and that's where the problems are yeah and it doesn't scale. it doesn't seem yeah. to me like it would be so hard to enforce a sort of physically restrict like a geography restricted ban where you just say like okay here are the points in any given city or whatever where it's like safer to let off fireworks right like you don't have houses with thatch roofs you don't have there's like lots of spaces sort of in Delft where you could for example like just kind of let people you know it's a bit of an empty open field so you're much less likely to like catch anything Mm -hmm. on fire it's not a major thoroughfare so you don't have to worry about like cars getting through and like that kind of stuff and just say like you know take your fireworks and go over there and you can set them off but you can't set them off like anywhere else in the city and like that seems to me that if we could like sort of change the mindset that that's what you do right that like people just kind of like cycle over at like 
15 and like set up, start setting off their fireworks that like, that seems like a pretty good like solution to this. I think it's just like a combination of like cultural shift and legal shift to like get people to move in the right direction. The other thing I think that seems to help is this emphasis by the media and the police. I felt like the, a lot of the police did a pretty good job communicating this year, like how bad these things were. Maybe I wasn't paying as much attention in the previous years that I've lived here, but I felt like I saw a lot of stuff like on social media, in the newspapers with, you know, the chief of police, but also like the local people just being out and saying like, this is really bad for us. It really sucks as a firefighter to like work on Christmas Eve or like, or work on New Year's Eve. Sorry. And that like, you know, they put out all these statistics. I feel like one of the things that like locally people kept talking about, like when I bumped into my neighbors the day after New Year's Mm -hmm. was everybody was talking about how like, oh my God, we had no idea that this was like 10% of all of the calls for the police station in our area. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, I think they did a better job communicating like how much of the problem it is. Yeah, I think better information, people aren't aware of just the scale of the problem and how much pressure there is is on the police in particular, but also hospitals, you know, the, the emergency services, everybody. A friend of mine went for eye surgery a few years ago and he was living in Belgium and he went to his like GP and they gave him a referral to like, uh, you know, go to the, see the eye doctor. And the eye doctor was like, yeah, this is kind of like a specialty surgery. We're going to refer you to a hospital in Rotterdam. And he's like, why do I have to go the whole way to Rotterdam? And the guy was like, well, the Dutch have the best eye surgeons in the world. And he was like, why is that? And the guy, the doctor was like, well, they just blow themselves up on New Year's Eve. So they have to have all these specialty eye surgeons because they shoot fireworks in their face. And my friend was like, is what? Excuse me? Like, well, how does this work? This is kind of a benefit. I have glaucoma in my family. My mum's been told the same thing. That said, the best eye surgeon in the in Europe is in Rotterdam. Yeah, of course. You because know, this you, is the best. that's where they do all the pioneering work on eye disease or eye damage. I guess that's the silver yeah. lining to yeah, all of this. It is. That's all we have for you this week. This podcast is a production of Dutch News, which can be found online at dutchnews.nl. We'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes. You can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. And if you want to help us out, please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating. You can also now back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl and earn yourself a free shout-out on the podcast and live in the satisfaction that her truby is getting fed. My thanks to Molly Quell, not to Pal Peters, wherever he is. Um, Belgium probably i'm gordon derrick and we'll be back next week all right we did just take truby to the vet like this week oh really and the vet said he's underweight he needs more oh, food right so there please, we are. Give, so us please, please give us money on patreon You wrote condom. You said condone. I wrote condom. You said condone. <laughs> what you meant was condemn. Yes. Uh... <laughs>